otherwise on SAFM. Happy Monday, Mzansi, from me, Shadow Twala. You're listening to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. With me is Hazel Makuzeni, the producer, and our technical producer, Lonwa Bofani. Our studio number is 0892102010. Our email, otherwise, at safm.co.za. Or our Twitter handle is at Shadotwala or at otherwise SAFM. Now, of romance and rings, do men and women agree on what form a marriage proposal should take? Well, we ask CEO Shemansky Jules, yeah, Shemansky, about the results of his survey. And what happens when the honeymoon is over? Who do you call? Well, we suggest clinical psychologist Lingi Wazwani to intervene. Then if it's too far gone, then Ashley Karen, attorney, advises you to consider mediation as opposed to litigation on divorce or child custody issues. Now, before we go to this, first up is our lunch bite. It's called Love is a Together Thing. And here goes. Love is a, toge- Love is a song that has to be sung together. Love drops pearls that need to be strung together. Love is a poem that you have to recite together. Love is a feeling that when shared together should excite. Love is a song that we should together sing. Love is a together thing. And it's taken from Love Songs, the love poems of Barlong Siboni, published in Botswana in 1988. Love one another. Love is all that there is. Inyanga, your turn. Love one another. Racism for me is, wow, it's people who are literally just stuck. But when it comes to me, how I treat it, it's just a situation that I just phase it off. Because if someone doesn't like you or just doesn't respect you, you just hurt them more by just phasing it off. You know, they strike you. You don't affect me. It happens, it happens. It's your life. My life moves on. You're still stuck. That's how I treat racism. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Hi, I'm Johnny Clegg. You are listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Otherwise, on SAFM. I read yesterday that in the U.S., 220,000 couples get married every year on Valentine's Day. Now, that's a staggering number. And it must mean good business for people like, yeah, Shemensky, who's my next guest, CEO of Shemensky Jolas. Hello, I hope I didn't butcher your name too much, yeah? Um, no, I think it's okay. And uh, good afternoon to you and to your listeners. Good afternoon to you. It is good business for you. It would be if you sold th- that many rings every Valentine's, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, indeed. I think it's good for the whole industry. I think it's good for for men and women alike to take some time and celebrate romance and intimacy because I think uh, the world needs a bit more love all around. Now, you you just did this, this survey of romance and rings, men <coughs> versus women, on the topic of surprise proposals. Why did you have the survey done in the first place? Um, look, we were quite curious to understand if women would like to be surprised, if they like to get involved in the process, and we actually learned, learned quite a lot about our customers about what women really want, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's a, a very complex topic. But uh, but nevertheless, uh, the results are, are, are quite interesting. Well, what do they want, women? Do they want to be surprised? <laughs> or do they... Well, I wish I had the answer to you, <laughs> but um, but I think in general, women want to feel important, loved, 
cared about. And I think if it's a surprise and if it is the right thing and the man actually hit it right on the head, I think it's a much, much stronger um, proposal than buying a ring and it doesn't actually sue the woman. So, so for all of those that have a complicated woman that they don't quite understand, <laughs> it's better to get some input um, from where, though? It right. Where do you get your input? From people like you, yeah? And no, look, you need to know the person that you are. If you see if, if they like certain rings in a magazine, if they mention some style that they like. And I think also it's got to do a lot with the personality. So if you're doing a lot of sport or very active, you will choose a different setting, which is more comfortable for your lifestyle. Some women want something a bit more dainty, some like a very big rock on the finger. So I think it's, it's dependent on the personality and, and also um, what ones can afford. Mm. But do, do we know the history of the wedding ring here? I'm, I'm very curious. Where, where, where did the first wedding ring come from to show the love and used for love? Do you have an idea? Yeah, look, the first wedding ring was, was, uh, was worn by Maximilian. It was proposed in, um, in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. It was worn on the, on the second finger it was believed that this carried the vein that goes all the way to the heart. To the heart, yes. And, and I think since then there was quite a strong tradition um, for proposal. And definitely in, um, in the early 1950-plus, uh, the Beers put a lot of marketing and promotion behind the engagement ring as a symbol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think almost most women today in the Western world and other parts of the world having the ring as a symbol and also to show to show other men and other women that actually have been spoken to and and, and keep the distance in a way. Or, or to show off to their girlfriends that they have a wealthy man, depending on the size <laughs> of the stone, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but are there rules regarding the, the, the shape and the size and the stone for both men and women? I mean, I wonder why, why men's rings don't have the, the, any stone whatsoever, unless they do recently. Um, look, I must say there is a very big growing trend in the last three to five years mm-hmm. of men also incorporating diamonds in the wedding band. Mm-hmm. I think it's got famous when David Beckham uh, made his first men wedding band with a lot of diamonds. So we can see more and more men incorporating diamonds. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so this is definitely a growing trend. And in terms of women, I think um, the shape that really captures the heart and the imagination is the shape that women will choose. <laughs> that a woman will choose, but does she does she get the engagement first and then chooses the the wedding ring? What happens? How how does it work? Um, look, the journey starts normally about four to six months before the proposal. Mm-hmm. So the couple obviously have to talk about it. I think the woman throwing some hints or ultimatum. It depends on the woman. <laughs> <laughs> Either proposal or out of the relationship, and so the man started to do a bit of homework. Is looking at style looking at price range. And I must say you can find an engagement ring um, from as little as maybe 5,000 up, up to any amount that you like. It's a combination of the diamond size, color, clarity, and a lot of other factors. And, um, and we do understand that when you get married, you're fairly young, mm-hmm. so you can't afford a very big diamond. So there's always a, an option that you can come later and actually upgrade your diamond to a bigger diamond mm-hmm. as you're making your way through life and, and obviously managing to to accumulate more wealth.
whenever you get an anniversary or something like that yeah. and, and, and add a, another, another element to, to your ring and, of course, adding value to it as well. But where are the best places to, to pop that question? Did your survey tell you anything about that? Um, yes, definitely. Look, I mean, um, the most uh, common places is a romantic restaurant or a romantic getaway. Mm-hmm. And we had people that proposed from a stop a stable mountain to a diver that proposed uh, 20 meters below the ocean. Wow. So I think people can use their own imagination. And, um, and again, there's a lot of um, romantic thought out there. Yeah, so so any place goes really as as we so they're not they're no formal kind of this is the best place to do it historically. Look, I think the place need to mean something for the couple or for the person that propose, mm-hmm. and and I think it seems to be they have some sentimental value going forward, and we won't go and propose in a lift unless <laughs> you're going to a very I don't know very high behind. So, so I think I think it's up to the couple, but. Uh, and um, yeah, and, and I think, but for us, the most interesting thing from the survey that we're a bit surprised is about involving the father-in-law, not involving it, because traditionally it used to be quite a quite a big thing to get permission first. Mm. So I think today, even though traditionally still almost 70% ask for permission, a lot of people trust in the survey. Well, they may ask out of respect, but they're going to propose anyway. Yeah. So that's. It's a bit more than a porch, I think. Do you have any of your clients that have had disappointment when proposing? Um, we did have, uh, I must say, a few over the years. We sold, obviously, I mean, a lot of engagement rings, so we do have a few that are disappointment. But you know what? It's better to know up front that it's not going to happen than to get into something that may take the wrong turn. Well, do you take the rings back? Um, it depends. Sometimes the lady doesn't give the ring back. If the client comes, we do, we do take the ring back because we don't anyone to get stuck with the ring that actually they don't like. Mm. I mean, um, yeah, but, but again, every case it's need to be looked by its own. Now, tell me, how how does it work with you when somebody walks into your store and they look? I know you look at budgets and all of those kinds of things, but what sort of conversations should they be ready to have with you when they? And what sort of homework should they should they have done before they come into a jewelry shop? Look, I think the most important today with the Internet, information is available quite freely. Mm-hmm. So the buyers are much more educated, people that are looking for rings. They understand the basic diamond attribute of the four Cs. And um, I think certification for the diamonds by international laboratory is quite important. And also to have a reputed jeweler that if you have a problem, you know, you can always come back. You can size your ring. You can adapt it if the size doesn't fit. Because when you do a surprise engagement, you not always know the finger size. Mm-hmm. And, and also the ability to change it. You may buy a ring and um, she say yes, but she like another style. Okay. So ideally in an open relationship, she will tell you, look, I, I'm saying yes, but I prefer a different style. So you can come back and actually select the style that, that you actually like. Now, how much should you know about diamonds themselves? Because, you know, anybody can sell you a cubic zirconia and think it's a diamond. How? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How much should I know about diamonds? Look, I mean, um, first of all, when you buy an engagement ring, you go to reputable jewelers. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, if somebody has a brain tumor, they go to a special surgeon, not to a GP. Okay. So, so when you buy a diamond, you go to reputable jewelers. Um, you have certification. They are, they are sitting in a, in a mall or in a shop that you know they're not going to 
disappear tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I think a lot of trust and confidence is quite important. And this is why people choose to buy from brands and from jewelers that they, they trust. Same as, as, again, choosing your doctors or anybody else, you need to trust them. But you, you've come a long way, though. I mean, you, you started out, what, in, in Durban some years ago? And, and that's, that's how you started your company, right? Yes, in the flea market in Durban in 19... You can't remember, that's how... 91, no, I do remember, yeah. <laughs> You do remember. Flea. But you've come a long way, and your, your, your business has gone all over the world. What do you owe it to? What do you think has been the, 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 your, your success, the, you know, the, the secret of your success? Um, look, first of all, we're still working as hard as we did um, 20 years ago, and I think, first of all, we have a fantastic team Mm-hmm. Um, as a member of the Shimansky team, so we've got very good, dedicated staff. We don't compromise on quality and, and the product that we deliver to the client with exceptional customer service. And at the end of the day, we will do whatever is in the client's best interest. And, and the world to mouth is obviously for us the best form of, of advertising. Mm. Because you know, I, I can imagine you, you've you've shared so many wonderful moments with people. I mean, do, do others just come to your shop together and buy the engagement ring together? Because that must be a joy to watch two people in love and just uh, you know uh, uh, you making their day. You become part of their day. And look, I must say, it does happen a lot that people come together. They collect the ring, and and yes, and I think this is why we're doing it because we're actually making a difference to people's life. We're helping them creating a milestone that they will never forget. Mm-hmm. And even if you're married for 50 years and you look at your engagement ring, it will take you instantly to that moment when you get proposed or when you bought the ring for the first time. So it's a very powerful uh, memory to have on, you, on your fingers every day of your life. Let's talk about money. How much do these things cost? Like I said, I mean, uh, you can buy an engagement ring from maybe from 5,000 up. 5,000 doesn't buy you a very big diamond. Um, but we had people that bought engagement thing, I mean, in a millions plus. Do we have to have diamonds? I mean, can somebody be happy with a, another stone, for instance? Do you introduce other stones or do you always just offer the diamonds? Um, look, we, we have this saying, um, diamonds are forever. <laughs> and the main thing is that they are the hardest gemstone known to men. So they're very durable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have other stone, but they don't have the same hardness. And also, I don't think they have the same symbolizing in the same brilliance and hypnotizing sector. That one got a very special magic um, of brilliance, light reflection, fire, and also what they actually symbolize for two couples. And I think that one will always be the ultimate symbol for engagement. Do we have to look after them in a particular way, these rings? Um, look, like anything else, I mean, um, you need to wear it um, with common sense. You need to clean it a little bit with soap water, and, and and with a brush, if you want to keep them all the time shiny and, and glittering. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, clan can always pop to any to any jeweler or any of the shops and actually have them refreshed within a few minutes under a special steam cleaner if, if they want to do it. And uh, and it is also advisable, about once a year to actually check your setting, so there's no damage or the, the stone is not loose. Hmm. That's a, that's a lot of looking after. I, I just want a ring to, I, I can wash and do whatever and not need to worry about. But look, you, it's, a, it's a precious, it's a, it's a precious item. So you do need to look after it. I mean, um, 
like anything else. I mean, uh, let's put it this way. If women look after the diamond like they look after the shoes, we'll not have a problem. <laughs> so, we'll be okay. <laughs> that is not touche, eh? Yeah. But, but now, t- tell me, is there a, a, a difference in price when a diamond is... I don't know if there's something called a fresher diamond. I know they, they got a huge diamond in South Africa the other day that was worth, I think it was a blue one, and it was worth a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. But how, how fresh should your diamond be? How, how often can you reuse a, 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 a diamond, for instance? Look, di- diamond by nature are, are three and a half billion years plus. Mm-hmm. So none of them is actually fresh, but, but the diamond basically stays the way it is. If you look after it and... A diamond that you buy now mm-hmm. will be as beautiful and as good as it is a hundred years from now. And I think this is the difference. A gemstone will eventually will get slightly scratched mm-hmm. and, and slightly eroded. When a diamond will maintain its beauty and its luster and its shape. And, and this is why it's very important to buy a good quality cut and a good quality diamond now because it will stay like this forever. Now, how do I know if it's a good, good quality cut? And look, you need to get a bit educated. You can go to a jeweler that understands you can educate, you can show the difference between. But again, a well-cut diamond will cost you a little bit more than a lesser well-cut. Um, but there's obviously a difference. Okay, so does Shumansky then offer these kinds of uh, information to the, can I just walk in and ask questions about diamonds or learn stuff before my my actual engagement? So that Ab- Absolutely. Look, we've got very trained staff members that can consult you. You will sit down. I mean, uh, we'll also serve the best coffee in, in, in town, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll show you about the four C's. We'll show you diamonds, the certificate. If you happen to be in Cape Town, you're welcome to visit the Diamond Museum when you can learn the whole history of diamond when it's begin until today with all the techniques. So, and, and for us, we're very encouraging you to learn because it is unknown to a lot of people. And the more educated you are, the better choices you can make. The Diamond Museum, where is that? It's based in the clock tower in the waterfront in Cape Town. Okay. And it's open seven days. And anybody is welcome to come in and actually learn, get educated, and experience diamonds. And by the time they finish the visit, they are, they are well-equipped to make a choice. Lastly, I want to know how one becomes a jeweler like yourself. Is there, is there places to learn? I mean, we don't, I don't think it, it's top of mind when uh, a young person finishes high school and then says, I want to go and be a jeweler. But I think it's an interesting um, a career to have. Um, look, yes, indeed. I mean, they want me to differentiate between diamond dealing or gemstone dealing and an actual jeweler that makes jewelry. Okay, tell us. Um, so to study how to make jewelry, there is the technicons in South Africa mm-hmm. that you can learn. I think the Mining Qualification Authority also got certain program to allow people to, to make jewelry. Mm-hmm. And in fact, for South Africa, it's a very good uh, profession because we have the natural resources, mm-hmm. gold, diamond, and platinum. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of skill. And, uh, and I think the more people that will get into it, uh, the better the industry will go. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a demand for jewelers all the time. Okay. And, 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 and you said, and the dealing bit of it? Um, the dealing, you need to learn in the beginning to work with the diamond company, gain some experience, and, and obviously learn a lot. There's a lot of studying and experience. It's a bit more limited than to become a jeweler because most diamond company almost holding a lot of information within themselves without a lot of sharing. Mm-hmm. But I think today it's easier to, 
to get that information. Yeah, I wish you all the diamonds in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, not all of them. <laughs> I'm sure you want to have all I wish, of them. I wish all you listeners a happy Valentine and happy moments and, and create a lot of memories to come. Well, fantastic. Thank you for talking to us. Uh, pleasure. All Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah, Shemansky, CEO of Shemansky, Shemansky Jewelers. And uh, look, after those numbers I read uh, in the U.S. that so many people get married, especially just on Valentine's Day, 220,000 couples. And I'm sure every year it, 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 it goes up and up and up. But, um, you know, things go wrong after the honeymoon. And where do we go? What do we do? Uh, before you run to the courts, we suggest then you, you speak with clinical psychologist Sengiwe Zwane, who is on the phone with me. Sengiwe, hello. Sengiwe? Hello. Yes, I can hear you. How hear are you? you? I'm very well in you. Thank you for joining us and thank you for your time. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. Sengiwe, you've done a lot of work with, with intervention, especially with families or I suspect even uh, young couples after the honeymoon mm. and things are just not going the way they ought to. When should mm. you come in? When should you come in? In actual fact, I would say pre-marriage, more than coming in after there's actually a problem that you're witnessing. It's always better to come in while you're preparing for marriage because a prepared person is actually more likely to go through the difficulties with ease. Like when they say prevention is better than cure. Mm -hmm. It's always better to know what to look out for and how to handle certain things than to wait for a problem that actually arise. Senior, can one preempt though? I mean, when two people are in love, that's when they come to you and say, listen, we're Mm -hmm. thinking we're serious about the way we feel about each other. They've been courting or dating for probably two years or so, and now Mm -hmm. they want to take it further. How can yes. you how can you even identify problems then? You can. You, you you look at things that build like you know when you're building a house, you look at the foundation, you look at the things that will hold the house from the storms when they come. So sometimes you want to wait for the storm to realise that the windows already have a problem. To wait to realise that the foundation is actually not good grounding. So it's things like communication that you look at where you say to a couple that you need to always communicate. You need to know that you're coming into a marriage as two separate individuals who are uniting. You have different DNA, different personality style for some. So when you are aware of what kind of person I'm coming into, when things pop up, you will not entirely surprised. You're kind of aware that a personality of this nature is more likely to respond this way to difficulties. So it's not necessarily to say for everyone it works, but in a lot of cases that I've seen, I've seen that people who actually communicate better, they are more likely to handle situations that can cause divorces to others much, much, much better. We hear this word so many times, communication. Communication. Does, does communication mean that I talk to my partner more often, but depending on what it is I'm talking about, it may just be hot air, really. It can be. I mean, it's not about talking. It's about being heard, about expressing things. Like miscommunication, for example, can happen find that you're expecting certain things in a marriage when the other person is not. You're expecting this person to adhere to certain carefree times and all of that, not to see their friends past the stuff. If we've never laid grounds and say to each other, these are the boundaries that friends have. You don't 
flirt. We don't do this. We don't we don't arrive at home at three AM or five the following day without having notified me. We all have the same kind of expectation. So most of the time you find that we have an ideal picture of how marriage should be. Hold and that thought, hold in, that thought for me, Sengi. Okay. Um, I need to take news headlines with Utsilia Sako. Oh. Otherwise on SAFM. Before you get married, get counselling and uh, maybe it's too late when you are married. And that's word from Klinger as one who's on the line with me, clinical psychologist. So you, you need to set boundaries, you're saying, Klinger. Yes, yes, but it's not necessarily that it can be late when you're married for you to fix things. But when you wait until... It's like it's beyond repair. Like most of the times, you find that with most, most patients, they come when it's already a problem has been going on for 10 years, mm. and they expect a miracle to happen overnight. But there's a pileup of a whole lot of things that you want to deal with at one time. And now, because it's overwhelming, you're coming in. So you're coming overwhelmed, and that's when we try to help you slow down and say, slow down, where is actually the problem? Not emotionally thinking through it, but looking at facts. Because divorce, by the time you think of divorce, it means you've been thinking about it for a while or maybe it has been just posed to you by your partner. Mm. So at any point, it's never late. It's late when you are signing the divorce tomorrow. Do you know, I, sorry to interrupt you again. I, I just wonder how much of, of, of um, our beliefs and cultural backgrounds uh, play a part in the kind of marriage we ought to have or we have because the concepts are different depending on who you talk to and depending on how how they were raised and and you know what what, what sort of what governs their their mm. their belief in marriage mm. and I, I think that would be a challenge is, is that something you interrogate as well Yes, I mean, you have to take that into account. Like, you know, with some cultures, they need to involve families, they need to involve a whole lot of um, extended people to be part of the whole discussion. And for some people who are already in the modern way of dealing with things, they don't want to involve outsiders or they don't want to have the third parties involved. But you do take that into account when a couple comes in while they're considering divorce to say, do you want to involve them? What are the pros and cons of involving others? And how do they then influence your decision when you can actually make a decision between you and your partner? But so at the beginning, it, though, at the beginning, before the yeah. marriage, um, how do you deal with the, 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 the differences of, of what they believe a marriage ought to be um, if if this guy believes he wears the pants in the house and nothing else and the woman thinks wow you know I'm a CEO of some company mm. I can wear the pants too and I, I'm, I'm being I'm being frivolous about this but I'm, mm. you know mm. um, how do you deal with that it's interesting that you're raising that. It comes up a lot in, in therapy sessions where you find that people are actually not the same. They're from different cultures or different religious backgrounds or different views of how a man should be in the family. Mm-hmm. When you come in and you want to have that discussion, that discussion is easy when both parties are willing to listen to the other. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. You need to listen before you can put a judgment or give your opinion about what you think. Allow the other person to say, this is what I think. This is how I feel about this particular culture. So you try to go to the fundamentals. What is it that you're in this relationship for? Can our cultures go side by side without necessarily affecting the other? Or do you want me to actually move into your culture? Am I willing to do that? And what 
are the fundamentals? First of all, if the fundamentals are love, it's, it's about you loving your partner. You are more likely to say, okay, I can deal with this as long as they are going to allow me to, I mean, you're not going to forbid me from going to my services or church or whatever religious um, rituals that I have to do. But if those things you know for your staunch believer in them and you can't compromise, then from the beginning you already know that this is going to be a problem. Then you have to think for yourself, can I stand for this or not? Because I'm thinking, you know, if you have to fix it at the beginning and deal with all those issues, uh, mm. it's gonna, the wheels are going to come off sometime during the, 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 the marriage Meaning that you, as as the clinical psychologist or, or, or the therapist, will have mm. to constantly be there to put the glue together one, every now and again. Not necessarily. So sometimes people are able to get married with differences. As long as they are willing to understand that you might need to sacrifice certain things. But if you're not willing to share each other's differences in a much more understanding way, then yes, the wheels are going to come off. But I've seen couples who are so different, and they make it work. They know what are the fundamentals that put them together, and not the things of saying, I want to change whoever ever to be like me. Because if you're going to change them to be whoever, what if you end up not loving that person, because now it's no longer the person you fell in love with. I don't oh, believe yeah. people change as well, do they? Well, I mean, it's, it's out there. The jury is still out. <laughs> people change, but people have will. I mean, they might be willing to change, and that's enough sometimes. Just the willingness to work on certain things. But to change entirely and follow another. I mean, so for example, there, was a, there are cases where you find that the person is willing to change religion, to move to the other, mm. to please the other person. Mm. There, that's when you say that, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for the other person? But then the, the cases like that, you end up finding that when they divorce, they are left in the middle. They have shunned or abandoned their previous religion. Now they don't even belong where they actually are. And that's where, like, that identity crisis starts to kick in again. So I would say try to be yourself. Okay. Be yourself. Thank you. I, I know lots of people are planning to get married on Friday or this weekend because of, because of Valentine's Day. Now, yeah, if, if they're listening, because we've been talking about rings before you joined us and how to propose mm-hmm. and all of that. Now, just give us five pointers that whatever guys think of proposing and women that before they say yes to this mm-hmm. proposal on Friday, what should they mm-hmm. think about first? The highest top thing that I can think of, don't do it out of impulsivity. Okay. The hype of time should never be a reason to make a decision. You mm-hmm. need to become in a good state of mind because the hype of, of a season can make you make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Then once that season is over, then it kicks in that actually I don't want to be in this relationship. Know what you want and do what you want, not because you are forced or under pressure because somebody proposed in a restaurant. You need to know who you are and know what you want and know if this is something you're ready for at that time. So there are a lot of factors that you need to think about before you consider marriage because people are going in and out. So do you want to be in this for the last you have or you want to be in here just to make this person happy for now? Mm. And how long would you maintain that for? I suggest they call you. Please give me your number. No, I'm happy happy that they call. I'm actually happy for people to call. I mean, you can always say to the person, um, you know what, right now I I do love you, I do care for you, but can I get some time to think? There is never a hurry in any decision. 
it's your time, it's your chance. So I'm happy. I mean, if you if you want to give people my number, please let's give let's give your website or your number or or a contact. So you know, um, tonight they'll be talking. Can I just say it on on air? If you want it to be public. Okay. Okay. Give it to me then. Thank you. Zero seven six. Mm hmm. Four six zero. Yes. Five eight two four. Five eight two four. They must call you before they make that decision. I, I, I'm and happy to help them through that decision. I promise you, because I, I can see, I can see somebody who said, "Oh, my friend's getting married, and oh, we w- want to make this a group wedding, and they're all kind of <laughs> going to get together, go to Robin Island, and sign together." Is and that a, what are you doing to me? My phone is already ringing. Oh so well, I'm there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The power of radio. <laughs> Well, I know you're going to be busy from now on, so thank yes. you so much for joining us. Yes, I'm glad you actually highlighted that I'm going to be busy from now on until a bit later. So I know. If anyone can leave a message, <laughs> happily so I'll get back to them. Thank you, Shengyue. All right, thanks. You take care. Bye. Shengyue Zwane, 076-460-5824. I warned her before I gave that number. But what if Shengyue does manage to, to, to help them work things out, help them with that communication, help them with talking things through and then they think okay now it's over we're getting divorced how do you do that how do you work that out you know last month i read uh, in the newspaper again huffington post that january was national was possibly national divorce month because people get married over christmas and during holidays and then somewhere halfway through unless there's a recession they decide oh I'm, I, I can't do this anymore. I, you know, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. And so what do we do? Do we litigate or find a mediator? Well, I think Ashley Curran is going to help us through this. Ashley, hello, and thank you for joining us. Hi there. Good afternoon. Thanks, did, thanks for having me. Did I say your surname properly? Yes, you did. Oh, hi. So do we go what? How do we litigate or mediate? The answer to that is definitely mediate. Um, at the moment, it has outpriced itself for many South Africans. It's a lengthy process. It's emotionally exhausting. And mediation is definitely becoming the more popular option to go. So what are we talking about when we're talking mediation? Okay, so basically what mediation is, it's an alternative way to resolving your dispute. It doesn't involve court battles, mm-hmm. um, which is lengthy and, and very costly. Mm-hmm. So individuals are struggling with an issue, be it divorce, custody matters, maintenance, um, parenting plans, whatever the family issue is, they then appoint a mediator. Now, a mediator is an independent and skilled third party who then listens to the the individuals and tries to identify their shared interests and guide and assist them at arriving at a mutually acceptable solution to the problem. Now, mediator, independent third party, but with what sort of background? Legal background, uh, clinical background, what sort of background? Yeah, mostly your mediators come from the legal and, and mental health professions. Okay. So your attorneys, your advocates, your clinical psychologists. Okay. Those are, those are typically your mediators because they're trained with the necessary skills. Okay. The, the legal background or the psycho- psychological background in terms of dealing with children. At what point then do you, is, is when everything else is broken down, obviously, is then when you find this mediator? Yes. So there, there's two ways it can happen. The first is that parties have decided they want to get divorced mm. and they're wanting to, to obviously communicate with each other and part ways as amicably as possible. Okay. They then have been advised either by a, a marriage counsellor or a 
psychologist to contact the mediator. Okay. They'll contact the mediator and, and begin with the mediation process and work through that until they've reached the settlement agreement. That's the first way of doing it. The second way is often parties approach an attorney, they both have attorneys, and the legal process begins. A summons is issued and there's back and forth correspondence between attorneys, and the court system takes a long time for, for anything to happen. So they become despondent with that, and they become mortified by the costs involved. And that's then when they start considering alternatives and where a mediator gets involved. Now, can the mediator represent both of them? Or you're a third party, but, I, you know, I think usually people, when they've reached that point, they only, you, you may be seen as being biased towards uh, one person as opposed to the other. How do you make sure there's balance, and how do you make sure you get trust from both that yeah. you're, you're, you're representing their interests? Yeah. When a mediator is approached, especially when they're attorney, our, our role is not to give legal advice. It's mm-hmm. to manage the parties' negotiations, facilitate them in finding workable and realistic solutions. So we don't tell individuals what to do. We just manage, manage the negotiations between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Bias is always a legitimate concern, and the way we get around that is a mediator never speaks to one party individually, okay. except in very unusual circumstances. So there will always be consultations and mediation sessions with both parties. All correspondence sent to a mediator is immediately forwarded on to the other individual. Mm. And any telephone calls, the merits of a case are never discussed without the other individual. So that that ensures that, that there's no bias or no assumption of bias on the part of the mediator. Now, I, I, I'm I curious about, you said earlier, that until you reach a, 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 an amicable settlement or a settlement agreement, yes. um, and usually when we hear words like settlement agreement, we think, ah, money, money. It's, it's yes. not all about money, is it? No, no, it's not. Um, there, there's two things that, that become particularly important in mediation sessions, and the one is money, particularly in divorces when you have to deal with the redistribution of, of assets and mm-hmm. maintenance. And the second critical thing is that of the interests of children. Okay. Yeah. And, and so that, that becomes particularly important. And that the emphasis seems to be lost when parties are embroiled in court battles and they kind of lose focus of, of what's in the best interest of their family and what's going to work for their particular needs moving forward. Now, now how long is this period? I mean, could it take, because uh, litigation takes a long time. And it's, it, it often ends up, you know, with, as you say, people will lose money, but just the time just to get on with your life. So how is there a shorter period for a mediator to, to kind of get to that agreement? Yes, there is. Uh, at the moment, the courts in South Africa, you can wait for months up to years to get a court date. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of rules you have to follow in litigation, and it, it takes years. Whereas with mediation, once the parties have agreed to the appointment of a mediator, the first session can begin almost immediately. You're usually looking at about three to six sessions with Mm -hmm. with both individuals, and by that stage, 99% of the time, you've reached an agreement by the sixth session. And then that's when you've reached your settlement agreement, and the matter simply gets walked through court. It takes about a month to get the divorce finalized. So it's a lot faster the parties are in control of the entire process, and their, their cooperation, you know, they're, they're in the driving seat at the end of the day. Now, where, where is this taking place? Is it taking place in their home, or is it taking place, because obviously they're not living together anymore when they're wanting a divorce, 
Uh, where, where does it happen? In, in, at your offices, maybe? Yes, yes. It does happen at, at the offices of attorneys or the rooms of clinical psychologists. How do you but, deal then with tempers flying and all of those kinds of things? Mediators are equipped with a, with a skill set. So we train to deal with different personalities. Um, we, we train to deal with tempers. And the way we do it is when you reach a deadlock, you, you, you just draw the party's attention back to what, you know, what really is at stake here. Mm-hmm. If they don't reach agreement and they can't move this process forward, they're going to spend years in court and it's going to cost them a lot of money where ultimately someone is going to tell them what's best for them. So you, you highlight the positives of the mediation process. You then summarize the, the, the progress that's been made. And, and you take a time out. You, you give the parties time. It's an emotional time of, of a person's life. But you afford them that opportunity just to, to, just to get back in control, and then, then you refocus their attention on, on the benefits of the process. What about costs? How much do mediators cost? Are they less than attorneys? Yes, they are. They are significantly less, and both individuals will, will contribute equally towards the cost of a mediator, as opposed to you know, each party having, having their own attorneys. The cost, you're looking at between 600 to 1,200 rand per hour for a mediator. Oh, and how many hours does it take? It depends, it depends on the individuals involved. Each session is usually about an hour and a half, okay. and your, your conflict could be resolved within three sessions. It could take up to six. Yeah, no, it actually makes sense, and and yeah. it's it's a lot lot cheaper than um, than going to attorneys. So, how does one find a mediator? The best thing to do is to contact your your association in the province where you stay. In the Western Cape, we have an organisation called FAMAC. That's the cool. Family Associate FAMAC. It's the the Family Association of Mediators of the Cape. Okay. And then there is a, another association up in Gauteng. And we are accredited mediators, which means we're bound by a code of ethics, disciplinary procedures, and, and we're trained, you know, our training is up to date. So it's best to, to contact those organizations, get in touch with an accredited mediator, and take the process from there. Okay, is there a website we can visit? Yes, there is. I, I have my own website. It's www.currentmediation. Current Mediation. Yes. As in, your, as in your surname, C-U-R-R-A-N. Yes, that's correct. Mediation. Yeah. And, and, then, and then the other website to follow is FAMAC. So it's www.famac.co.za. F for Freddie, A-M for mother, ac.co.za. Yes, that's correct. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for chatting to us. And don't get married on Friday. <laughs> I heard the clinical psychologist say don't make any impulsive decisions I know, <laughs> I know Thank you so much for your time Thank you, thanks, have a good afternoon You Bye. take care now Ashley Thank you the, the, Those websites famac.co.za and current mediation c-u-r-r-a-n-m-e-d-i-a-t-i-o-n Please don't do anything rash and uh, let's not take music by My baby don't care for show.
even Lana Turner smiled. Something he can't see. My baby don't care. Who knows? My baby is chaos for me. Otherwise, my baby just cares for me, bringing us to time for our storytelling. And the story today is Nalibali. 